Let's talk about. Let's talk about. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about your story. We're going to be talking about emotional health. We're going to be talking about why it matters for you and uh, why it matters for your spiritual maturity as well. We're going to be covering all kinds of topics in these next few weeks. We'll be talking about anger. We'll be talking about anxiety, depression, relational conflict, and, and how it is that God wants to redeem our emotions to pursue a life of wholeness and holiness in Jesus Christ. So it's going to be some real, real good stuff, but today I just kind of want to softly get into uh, this series, and we're going to be talking about today emotions. We're going to be speaking about emotions, and I'm wondering, as, as I'm putting this all together, I'm wondering uh, a, a question that we kind of all wonder from time to time, but I want to ask you, how are you doing this morning? Like, how are, how are you really doing? Not the, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. But how are you really, really doing? You know, because in this specific period, or within the last, this, we'll say, the COVID era, it's, for me, when people have asked me that question, it's, been, it's never been more complicated to answer that question than what it's been recently. People say, well, how you doing? And I'm just like, I pause for a little bit, and I start to think, all these thoughts start going through my mind, and I'm like, well, should, should I say the truth, or should I answer it contextually? Like, how am I doing based on all of the stuff that is happening right now? For me as a pastor, all the stuff that's happening with the church is we're trying to get things back. About everything that's happening in my household, I'm a husband and I'm a father of three. One's a teenager. Oh, my. Like, and it leads me to ask, well, how are you doing? It's a very, very complicated question to ask. Someone actually, uh, looking through notes, someone actually posted this up on, on social media. They said, I'll read it through here, what, the, what they put. They said, what is one word that best describes your emotional state? What is one word that best describes your emotional state. And then you know what it had in parentheses? It, it said, and, and use no cuss words. I thought that was funny too. What would you say to answer this question? If I sat right next to you, I'm not going to be as energetic as Pastor Tom, but if I sat right next to you and said, hey, Jose, what's, what's your emotional state right now? If there would be one word to summarize it, not using any cuss words, what would it be? Think about that. Think about that. I'm like looking at a comic book. I'm seeing all the little popped up, you know, white circles with all the words there. I asked a couple people this question. Some of them I'll remain, I won't say who they are. If there was one word that would describe what it is that you're feeling right now, one person, he just looked at me and he said, numb. I just feel numb. A couple of people said things like they were angry. A couple of people said they were irritated. Some said that they were anxious or, 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 or afraid. This is not everybody from the church, so if you're new, don't think like, man, that church, they're messed up. No, that, I, I was asking just people in general. You see, I think for me, if there would be one word to summarize my emotional state right now, you got to understand this you would have to understand my mind, right? It would be just the word unsettled. For me, that word would be unsettled because although things are improving and we're starting to get out of this, this bubble that we've been in, everything still kind of feels a little bit unsettling to me if I'm being transparent with you, even like the small things. Like, it used to be, and this happens to me, it happens to me today as well, it used to be easy, I would just go on ahead, and especially here at the church, I would just go on ahead and just greet somebody. You know, I used to give them the, you know, hey, what's up, you know, nice hug or whatever, you know, and now I, I don't know. Even though we're kind of getting over this COVID stuff, we're not completely out of it, I don't, you know, I, I'm kind of, ha I have to kind of measure it out, like, I have to think before I go to somebody, well, okay, what are you? 
Are you a strict like, hey, Pastor, keep your distance still? Or, are, are, you know, are you saying, eh, forget that, Pastor. Come over here. Give me a big hug. I don't know how to approach people yet. Some of you guys, I'm kind of like want to reach out my hand. And maybe you've seen it where all of a sudden I just pull back and give you a dab. It's not for me. I just, you know, I'm like, you know, do they, do they want my hands to touch their hands yet? Do I need to wear a mask? Do I not need to know? Do I not need to wear a mask? I'm, I go into places and some places I don't need them, so I don't take them. And then I, I started getting used to that. I walked in for my physical therapist appointment. All of a sudden, oh, you need a mask. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go back and get a mask now. Even the little things like that. And then there's big things that kind of have me unsettled. You know, the continual economic uncertainty. Just watching the news last night and reading an article this morning, the continual racial tensions that we are dealing with, the war that we see happening overseas. And the reality is that everyone is so emotional. So today we're going to talk about emotions. But I'm not just going to talk about emotions, but really what I want to do is I want to talk to you from a gospel-centered perspective of emotions. Because God has given us emotions. How many people believe that? We have been made in his image. So God has given us emotions. They are from God. And so because these emotions are from God, what I want to do is I want to look at the emotions of none other than my role model, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What he endured, what he felt, and I want to let his emotions today help us center out our emotions, not just today, but throughout this series, that we're not just acting or not just reacting based on whatever the emotions is that we are feeling, but that we're responding with gospel-centered emotions. On one article that I was reading, it said this, that Jesus, check this out, Jesus in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he actually displayed, can you guess how many emotions? He actually displayed 39 emotions. In the four Gospels, Jesus actually displayed 39 emotions. Honestly, if I'm being transparent, for years, I didn't know that there was such thing as 39 emotions. But then I got married and I have three kids, one being a teenager. And I've experienced all 39 in a 30-minute conversation. You see, Jesus was God in flesh. He was, some of the ladies here are saying, how about you? How about, how about the guys, right? They got 41. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was God, and yet he was fully human being as well. And so this is, this is the beautiful part of that. Because he was, also, he was fully God and fully human, he expressed and felt very real emotions that you and I can relate to. I'm going to give you some examples. The Bible shows us that whenever, you know, because over there in Jerusalem, you've got hills, you've got mountains, you kind of have below sea level, all these type of things. But whenever Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem and he saw all of the people that he loved, that God himself, his people, that God loved, and as he saw how disconnected it was that they were from God, he felt this deep, sincere emotion of grief. I could just imagine Jesus saying, man, they are missing out on the very thing that God wants for them. And then whenever there were religious leaders that cared more about rules and the law than people, he felt this righteous anger towards the hypocrisy that he was seeing. He, he felt this righteous anger over the, 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 the sin and the lack of love that these religious leaders had. Whenever the 72, when, when the 72 followers came back and they were talking about how God had used them to make a difference, Jesus felt overwhelming, uh, an overwhelming sense of being overjoyed at the faithfulness that God had used his people. 
And then as we talked about last week with his friend Lazarus when he died, I didn't, I didn't hit this part because we were talking about more of the resurrection last week. But even though when Jesus found out that, it, that, that Lazarus had passed away, he knew. He knew that he had the power to raise Lazarus. He was going to do it. He knew, not only did he know he had the power, he knew that he was going to raise him. But yet the Bible still shows us in the smallest verse of the Bible. It says what? Jesus wept. Jesus felt the emotion of just profound sadness, and he wept over the death of his close friend. And then I take it to the garden. And over in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knew what was about to come. We talked about this on Good Friday. Jesus knew that what he was about to endure. Jesus was feeling lonely. Jesus was feeling anxiety. He felt overwhelmed knowing the pain that he was about to endure for you and for me. He knows those emotions. Those are just a, a set of emotions that I've told you that Jesus has gone through. You can relate to some of them. But what I want to do today to start this series that we've titled Let's Talk About, I want to talk about one, really quickly today, one emotion of Jesus. What he feels towards us and believe that it's going to help us, church, to express the same emotion towards others, which we really need. We're going to look into Luke's gospel. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, or if you're using your smartphones, if you're taking notes, whatever the case is, we'll also have the scriptures up on the screen. We're going to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 11. Luke, chapter 7, verse 11. Now, just to give you a little bit of context here, Jesus had just finished preaching his most famous message that we all know, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And then right after that, we pick up and we see this in verse 11. It says that soon, and I'm going to be reading today, I sometimes, I'm mostly from the NIV. Today I'm in the NLT. You, uh, so you can jot that down because maybe some words that I use might not be the words that you're using and I don't want you to get confused. It says... Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to a village of Nain, and, lar and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming. As he approached the village, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son. Somebody say, only son. And then it says, and a large crowd followed the village was with her, we're obviously seeing here. And it says, when the Lord, meaning Jesus, when Jesus saw her, and then here's the emotions part, his heart overflowed with compassion. So when Jesus is seeing this funeral procession coming by and he's seen, the Bible says that when he saw her, and we're going to get into that in detail, his heart overflowed with Compassion. Everyone say compassion. He looked at this woman and, and he said this. He said, don't cry. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bear stopped. Young man, Jesus said, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his then Luke goes on ahead and he says this. He says, great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And that is the power of Jesus expressed through deep and sincere, and sincere compassion. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. So what I want you to do is I want, you to, I want to try to have you visualize, visualize this if you can. So Jesus is walking up there, and as he's walking up, he's, he's seeing a funeral happening. Now, this would have been a lot different than the funerals that we see today where we're all gathered in the inside and everything's inside. In this case, there, or, or if you're being escorted, depending on who you are, there's no police officers. There would have been no bright lights or anything of that sort. What you would have seen there in that procession would have been some mourners. 
Some of them might have even been professional mourners. Back then, people would actually pay these professional mourners to kind of come and, 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 and mourn alongside with them, playing the instruments, tambourines, flutes, all this type of stuff. I think sometimes if you even look at some countries, they still kind of follow some of these, these traditions. And so visualize with me, they're walking down the streets and, and they're playing these instruments. There's people that are crying, people that are wailing, people that are, are just saddened. They're representing the grief of this, of this type of loss that has just happened. And so Jesus walks up to this, this, this very emotional, most likely very loud scene. And there's some things that we know at this time, at this moment. And there's a lot of things that we don't know. For example, we don't know about this poor, grieving, single mother. We don't know how old she was. We don't know if she was, man, she was just... You know, kind of in the prime of her life, she was 21 years old. We don't know if she was 33 years old. We, we don't have an age. We don't know how her husband died. She's a widow. Was it an accident? Did he get sick? We don't know. We don't know how old the boy was. Was he 12? Was he 14? Was he? We don't have that, that, that with us. But what we do know most likely is that probably the boy had died maybe, we'd say, the day right before. And how we know this? Because back then, we didn't have, they didn't have all these embalming ingredients that we have now that they can go on ahead and put into this person and, and make them last, presentable for a few days. This, this was like, it was hot over there. The person died, and right away, most likely, uh, they were already going, to, going ahead and, and try to uh, bury the person. So if you can imagine, you've got this young mother who's already lost her husband. She's already lost her husband, this boy's father, and now she's a widow. She's lost her only son. Talk about what she's going through at that moment. Emotional, overwhelmed, filled with grief, but at her deepest moment of pain. Listen to me. At her deepest moment of pain, Verse 13 says, and I love this, the Lord Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. And what's really interesting is that there's over 40 references in the Gospels that we're told that Jesus saw someone. Now, I get it. Jesus just didn't see 40 people in his life, right? Jesus saw a lot of people. But, but here, what the author, what Luke is trying to tell us is that he didn't just see this single mother. He noticed her. I mean, think about this. There's a group of people. They're all kind of people probably crying. You know, maybe family members, cousins, whatever it is. You've got these people playing flutes, tambourines. There's all this stuff in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this morning. Jesus notices this woman. I'm not sure if you have, but I have noticed that there's a difference between looking and seeing. There's a big difference between looking and seeing. Well, I say that because I'm a guy, right? And I can, like, look and just not see sometimes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I don't always notice. Which is really difficult for me because I am married to my wife, who notices everything and picks up everything. And if you're married to someone like that, you know, she, she notices everything. Some of you guys laugh because you know her really well. See, I have to train my eyes to notice. She's just got that natural talent. Like maybe some of you women here today. Like the, one of the times, this is a funny story, one of the times I... I kind of didn't notice that she had dyed her hair and cut and, and cut her hair. I, I, I didn't notice that. So I'm not going to get into the story. But what I do want to do is I want to give you guys tips today. Okay? Here's your tip from Pastor Lewis for the week. Two to three times, two to three times a week, when you see your wife, say, wow, did you do something to your hair? Just say that. It, 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 it's a good thing. Say, or, man, your hair looks great. Did you do something to it? Well, she did it. Well, at least you're still getting some points for that. 
You just say about two or three times a week because, again, she notices everything, right? Or I can come over to your house. I can come over to your house with my wife, and we could be leaving, and she'd be like, man, did you, did you, notice, did you notice that wallpaper? Man, it was, so, it was so nice. It was so pretty. I said, what, really? They had walls? <laughs> I didn't notice. That, that, that's a little joke there, but, but still, she's got that eye. And so Jesus looks on, and he doesn't just see, but he, he, he really truly notices her. He just doesn't see this mother, this widow, this mother who now has lost her, her, her son, but he notices her. And she was a single mom, a widow who had lost her husband, and now she loses her only son, and in the middle of all of that chaos, Jesus looks at her. The Lord saw her. And what emotion did Jesus feel when he saw someone in deep and profound pain? What Jesus felt is the very same thing, church, that he feels for you whenever you're hurting. I want you to know that. Don't say, well, no, this is just for her. No. What he felt when he saw that woman hurting is the same thing that he feels whenever he sees you hurting. What he felt for her was the very same thing that he feels for you. When you're afraid, when your marriage maybe is struggling, when you're trying to pay the bills and you just can't figure out how am I going to pay these bills, whenever you're praying and you're praying and you're praying for a child who's making crazy decisions in their life right now, and you're there and you're aching because you're seeing and you're hoping, you're believing that your child is going to be okay, I got some news for you today, church, and that is that Jesus feels the same thing for you when you are hurting as he did for this woman who was in pain. Think about that and let that soak in. The God that you serve is a relational God. He knows what it is that you're feeling. And when the Lord saw her, Scripture says this in verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart was overflowed. Everyone say overflowed. Overflowed with compassion. You know why I like that? Because that shows us that there wasn't enough room in his heart for all the compassion that he felt. It wasn't filled with compassion. The Bible says it was overfilled with compassion. The root Greek word that's translated as compassion is really a cool word. The word is, uh, I want everybody to say this, splagna. Splagna. It's like if someone stuck a finger in the back of your throat, you're like, splagna. It means to feel from the gut or from the intestines. You get that? It means to, so when it says that Jesus is overfilled with compassion, that means that compassion that he had, it was like, it was, it, it, it was from his guts, from his intestines. That's, that's how it felt. There's no stronger Greek, uh, there's no stronger word in the Greek language to represent the depth of this compassion that Jesus felt for this woman. That, that means it wasn't just like, oh, oh Dito, you know, it was more like, a, man, you know? You, you know the difference? Have you felt the difference? Just imagine driving up to a car wreck. I know we've all done it. I have. And you have that sinking feeling, and you're saying, man, I hope they're okay, right? You pass by an accident. I hope they're okay. Then, then you notice that there's two people that are injured on the side, outside of the car, and the first responders are going on ahead, and they're, they're beginning to work on them. And you're like, oh, God. Man, I really hope they're okay because now you know it's not just a car accident. You know that someone's possibly hurt. I hope they're going to live. And you feel for them. But then sometimes you may, you, you may have passed by and you, maybe you recognize that car. You say, man, that car looks familiar. And you know the two people that, that, that the first responders are, are working on. And at that moment, it's not no longer, oh, I hope they're okay. At that moment, you get that, that, that splagna. Like, oh, man, I, I got to pull over the side. I got to run and see if everything is okay. One day we were driving, as, actually as a church, on a, on a, we were going to a retreat. We, we were going to uh, 
um, Tagasock, Michigan. Just a, it was a, sun, a, a, a family summer retreat, and we were driving, and, and there was this huge delay, and as we passed, we could see a car, and it was twisted over. And, and, and when I couldn't see the car, in my mind, I'm like, man, must be an accident. Man, probably someone not paying attention. But I, as I got closer, and I looked over, and I can see the first responders just trying to, trying to give CPR, and I can see the woman. And it was an image I couldn't get out of my mind at that moment. That was a difference. I was no longer saying, oh, I hope they're okay. But I was like, man, as a matter of fact, I, was, I began to look it up when we got at the location because I wanted to see, did she make it? It's the depth of it. It's hurting from the guts. It's hurting from the inside. The Lord, the Bible says, saw her pain. He noticed it and he cared. A lot of us, we notice things. We see things. But do we care about those things? I don't know who needs to hear this today, but the Lord, our God, knows exactly what it is that you are going through this morning. And he cares about you more than you can ever imagine. How can this God who created this world care about me? He cares about you. He knows you by name. He knew you from even before you were woven in the womb of your mother. He sees your pain. He hears the cries of your heart. He knows when you feel desperate, like some of you may be feeling right now. He knows when you feel like, man, I just can't catch a break. He knows when your heart rate is pounding and pounding so much, you feel so much anxiety that you're feeling like, man, I can't even catch my breath. God sees you, church. You're watching us online. He knows you. He sees you. He knows your pain. When you're praying for your marriage, when you don't know what you, when, when it is that you're going to find your next job, when you feel anxious, when you feel frustrated, when you feel afraid, the Lord Jesus Christ, he sees you, he notices you, and he cares. Jesus sees this grieving single mom. And he hurts for her. He grieves for her. And then in verse 13, he says this. He says to her, don't cry. I, get it. I, I was getting emotional just reading this text. This woman who has lost everything. And the Lord Savior comes next to her and says, don't cry. And then this is what happens. He walks over to the coffin, and he touched it, and the bearers stopped. He touched it. He touched the coffin. And some of you guys are saying, what are you talking about? Every time I go to a funeral, I touch the coffin. I touch the body. I touch everything. This was a big no-no at this time. The coffin that they're talking about here is not the coffin that we have today that has sides and it has covers. Most likely, these, these coffins that were used at this time, it was pretty much like, a, like a, a, a flat piece of wood that maybe was on some wheels, and they would have the body sitting right on top of it. The body would be expo- exposed. So when Jesus goes up and he touched the coffin, this is shocking to everyone that's dead. Like, not only was it shocking, but it, it's, it's scandalous. This was unheard of. Some of you are saying, Why? Well, because the Pharisees, they had all these religious laws. The Pharisees had all of these rules. As a matter of fact, they had 613 of these very distinct, very strict laws. And one of them was, you can't touch a dead body. Or you don't touch anything that has touched a dead body. If something touched a dead body... And now you touch that something. Now you were considered to be ceremonially unclean. And that was a big deal for them. Because if you became ceremonial unclean, it's not like you say, okay, give me some hand sanitizer. All right, I'm good. No, you had to go through all of these, the, 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 the ceremonial cleansing and, and this whole procedure just to get rid of that juju they would consider, you know. But Jesus, listen to this, this prophet claiming to be the son of God, he touches something to make him spiritually unclean in the eyes of those people. When Jesus touched the the, the coffin, 
what he did, you know what he did when he touched that coffin? When Jesus touched that coffin, he crossed the line for them, for the people, for the Pharisees. He crossed the line. And I love this about Jesus. I love this about Jesus because to me, Jesus is a line crosser. To me, Jesus is a rule breaker. Every time religion would go on ahead and draw a line, you know what Jesus would do? Jesus would cross that line. Why? Why would he do that? Because love crosses lines. Because love has no boundaries. Love has no borders. Whatever line that you feel that maybe is right there in front of you, maybe keeping God at a distance from you, you need to understand this, church, and that is that God crosses lines for those that he loves. Jesus is a line crosser. Jesus is a rule breaker. I'm not talking about a criminal. I'm talking about the rule breaker that man was setting in place. You see, what religion does, and I hope no one gets offended here, but what religion does, distorted religion, that is, the legalism, that's all about rules, and it's not about love. What it does is it draws a line to keep people out. And the reality is, the tragedy is, church, that is that that's the very same thing that has kept some of you or maybe some of the people that you love away from God. This line that religion has drawn. I don't want to go to church because everybody there is legalistic. I don't want to go to church because everyone there is a hypocrite. And that's what religion wrongly does. With good intentions, it draws lines. And if that is the part of church that you don't like, if that is the part of church that bothers you today, if you're watching us online, if that is the part of church that you don't like, that it bothers you, then I'm here to tell you that it bothered Jesus too. It bothered him too. Jesus didn't want any lines. Jesus didn't want any external rules to keep people from experiencing him, his love, his grace, his power. And that's why we don't draw lines to keep people out either. Because that's what we saw our Lord and Savior do. We cross lines to bring people in. That's what we ought to do as the church of Jesus Christ. It reminds me. That's why in the middle of a global pandemic, this church here, this little church right here in this corner of the city, we volunteers rolled up their sleeves in the middle when COVID was rampant, when COVID was right there smack dag in the middle of everyone's faces and everything was shut down. Volunteers, they rolled up their sleeves and they fed thousands of thousands of people in this community in a time where people were filled with uncertainty. People would be lined up outside. Oh, man, I can't believe you guys are doing this right now during COVID. But people would be lined up. Our, our, our hour wasn't until 2 o'clock. It was people at 12 o'clock already parking outside. And you know what that did? Because we decided not to draw a line, because we decided to bring people in, even in the middle of this uncertainty. What, we, what, what, what that allowed us to do is we would be outside. Brother Jose is a, a witness to this. We would... People would come outside of their cars because it's hot, it's summer. They get their lawn chairs. and they, It's like if they were looking at a baseball game, but yet they were looking at us getting the food together for them. But it allowed us to go to them, to speak to them, to pray for them, to get to know their names. Now, maybe all of them don't come here, but we know them and we have relationships with many of them. Why? Because we believe that people need the grace of Jesus Christ. So ignoring the religious policies, Jesus goes on ahead and he touches this coffin. And perhaps he maybe even had touched this boy. We don't know. But there's no boundaries. There were no rules. There were no laws that can keep Jesus from expressing the depth of the compassion that he feels for those people who are hurting Throughout Scripture, we see Jesus looking at people, even when he was tired, even when he wants to get away. But all these people are following him. And the Bible says, says repeatedly, he had compassion. 
and he gave to them what they needed. Because Jesus touches this coffin of the boy. And I want you to imagine the crowd as they're like, how can he do this? But you want to know what was more incredible than the people that were gasping? Because how could Jesus be doing this? How could this Lord, this guy who calls himself the son of God be doing this? You know what was more impressive? What was more incredible was the gasp of the boy who was laying in that coffin. The Bible says he took a breath and he started talking. Man, he must have been a talker because the moment he catches breath, he's talking already. Think about it. This man, this, this boy's dead. Jesus comes and touches the coffin. He says, get up. And the boy gets up and begins to talk. Somebody ought to give Jesus Christ some praise right now for that. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Whatever feels dead in your life right now. Whatever feels dead in your life right now. With just one touch of Jesus, it can come back to life. Whatever feels dead in your life right now, with just one touch of Jesus Christ, it can come back to life. You see, because somebody here, that's what you need today. You're walking around and you may not, you may not feel like you're dead, but in the inside there are things that have died. Purpose that has died, your drive has died, your, your, your wants and desire, your desire to, to do and be what God has called you to be has died. You need just one touch. How many touches? One touch. Just one touch of the author and the giver of life that brings dead things back to life. Just one touch is all you need. Just one moment, just one word, just one sense. That not only is he with you, but the Lord of lords and the king of kings, he cares for you. What did it take to completely alter this boy and his grieving mind? What did it take? Just one touch. People are mourning and crying. One touch changed it all. And my prayer today, church, for you, my prayer for you this morning, my prayer, maybe if you're watching us online, is that there would be one moment, that there would be one song, one prayer, one sense of goodness, uh, of the grace of God crossing over whatever barriers it is that you feel that has separated you and know that our God crosses lines to show his love for us. But sometimes it just takes one thing. You can be cold and callous in your heart and that worship that worship song, I'm going to say it the way the kids say it today, it just smacks different. That's, the, that's what my kids say, you know, they're eating McDonald's all of a sudden. Man, it, these fries smack different today. But you listen to that, let me get back to the other crowd. But you listen, you listen to that one song, man, Maverick City, whoever it is, oh, you just fall to your knees. You were cold and away from God, but that song just drew you back to the throne room of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or you're, you're cold and callous and you just hear a word, something that you, maybe you read or someone, a message that you heard. Or, or maybe it's just a text message from someone encouraging you. And all of a sudden, man, I'm, these things are coming back to life. Just one touch. Sometimes that's all it takes. For me, when I was really overweight in high school, all my teacher had to show me was the movie Rocky. And that was the one thing that I had to see that altered my life. And I got into a regiment, working out, built, all this stuff, which led me. That's the only reason why I got my wife, because of that one movie. But you get what I'm trying to say. That Some of you guys feel like you're so far away. It's just one thing. One thing. One touch from God is all that you need. Looking back to the story, it's almost impossible to describe what this did for this grieving widow. Because moments ago, this grieving widow had nothing. Think about that. Moments ago, not only did she 
lose those that she loved. But if you've looked back to that time of, uh, 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 of life where, where, where this story takes place, she also now wasn't able, wasn't going to be able to support herself. Because in this culture, if you didn't have a husband, so this goes even deeper. Listen to me. In this culture, if you didn't have a husband, in this culture, if you didn't have a son, you were in trouble as a, as, as a woman because they were the means of your support. As crazy as it is, back then, women just weren't allowed to do whatever it was that they had to do, you know, to, to, to be able to support themselves. In most cases, with her, uh, her husband dead, in most cases with now her son dead, in order for her to be able to live and to be able to sustain herself, there was only pretty much two options she was going to have. One of them is she was going to have to become a beggar. Being a beggar was going to mean that she was going to have to be dependent on other people for the rest of her life. The second option, most likely, that she was going to have to do if she didn't want to be a beggar would have been much worse. She was going to have to use her body to do unthinkable things just so that she can have something to eat, if you know what I mean. So at this moment, when Jesus touches this boy, and this boy comes back to life, and Jesus goes on ahead and carries this boy and brings the boy to this single mom, not only does he give her back her son, but he gives her back hope for the rest of her life. And that's my prayer today, church, that for somebody who maybe is sitting here today or watching us online, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm feeling anxious. Someone who maybe is here today who just says, I feel tired. I feel bittered. I feel irritated. I feel agitated. I'm always on guard for someone who maybe even feels unset, uh, uh, unsettled, like I was kind of describing myself a little bit in the beginning of this message. My hope and my prayer is that with just one touch, that God would give you back your hope. With just one touch. And church, with this, I'll be ending, and that's it. I don't have the words to tell you as a pastor, as your pastor, how much, how much I love you, how much I love my church family. But the reality is, even in this time of uncertainty, that we are still living in, I understand and know that we're all making, we're all, we're, we're, we're all trying to make the best of this time that we're currently in right now. We're trying. We're trying. What I do know is that there are some of you here today that, man, you're saying, Pastor, I'm so happy to be back here at church, in church. Some of you, there's, there's just a reason that maybe you just can't be here. But the reality is that there's some of you who have also Whenever you hear this message, you've kind of forgot about church and God. You forgot about your relationship with him. And as I think about this, man, and I tell you again, I love this place so much. I, I love the presence of God so much, the memories and seeing what God has done in this place for people. But I do, I do grieve knowing how disconnected some people can be spiritually at this moment that we're talking here. And so it leads me back to my initial question. So how are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? If you could describe your emotional state in one word, what is it that you would say? I'm settled. I'm anxious. I'm afraid. I'm desperate. I'm hopeless. I'm tense. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. Whatever that word is, that explains, that describes your emotional state at this moment. You know what I want you to do? I want you to take that word, and I want you to cry out to the God who is moving towards you as we speak. Take that word, fearful, anxious, whatever it is, no good, two words. Take it to God. Shout it out to God and say, this is what it is. Whatever line you feel it is that is separating you from his goodness, know that he is willing and able to step across that line. Why? Because he's a rule breaker who cares about you, 
And there's nothing that's going to keep him from pursuing you. Do you know that? There's nothing that's going to pursue him, that's going to stop him from pursuing you. There's nothing that's going to stop him from reaching out to you. There's nothing that's going to stop Jesus from loving you, from showing you his grace and his goodness. Because, listen, if you open up your heart to him and you cry out, God, this is where I am at right now emotionally, mentally, then guess what? When you do that, he's coming for you. He's coming for you to show you that he notices you, to show you that he sees, that he cares that he cares more about you than you can ever imagine. Amen? When this widow's only son experienced the resurrection life from the only son of God, there was nothing that was death that his compassion couldn't bring back to life. So church, I'm here to tell you something. As we begin this series today, Wherever you're at right now, get your hope back. Get your hope back. Because he's coming for you. He cares about you. And you know what it's going to take? Not moving mountains. Not all this, hard, all this other hard work and stuff. Just one touch. Just one touch from Jesus Christ. The one that with his word spoke everything into existence is the one that today, with one touch, wants to bring you back to your purpose and your destiny. I'm going to ask you to rise to your feet, and we can play some music. Jason had to go help out our Berwyn team. If you could just close your eyes right there where you are at. And what really quickly, what I want you to do right there where you're at, that word that, 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 that describes where you are at right now, as we were just talking about. Think about it. What is it? And for these few moments right now, I want you to have a conversation with God. I want you to have a conversation with him right now. Whatever it is, those examples I gave you, those are just examples. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's, it's, it's doubt. It's doubt. Whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, Whatever that line is that has been laid out between you and God, bring it up to him right now. Because Jesus is right there where you're at. And just as he told this boy, get up. He's telling you the same thing. He's telling you, I see where you're at. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I see you when you are there in your bedroom with the doors closed and the tears that are flowing down through your eyes. I see you. When you're looking out that window and you believe that no one's looking back, he sees you. Allow Jesus to cross those lines. Come to you and comfort you and revive you once again. Father God, we come before you right now at this moment. Lord, and I bring your church before you, Lord. Father, the word that you have spoken to them, God. I pray, Father God, that you would take this word here and that you would allow them to apply it into their lives. Lord, that they would know that this is not just some story that we just read, but this story pertains to them as well. That you love them so much that you're willing, Father God, you're willing to cross the barriers. You're willing to cross whatever it is to come and to rescue them. And let us be reminded that we, Father God, need to take the steps, Father God, to call out to you. But even so, I thank you, God, because even for those who suffer in silence, your word says that you see them. Whoever needs to hear this today, when you feel like no one notices you, you may be feeling like no one sees you, man, it 
doesn't matter what the person next to you says. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one who created every single thing, he sees you. Not only does he see you, but the Word of God tells us that he knows you by name. If you're here today and you say, man, Pastor, I'm glad that he sees me, but I want to know him. I really, really want to know him. I want to invite you to start a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. Don't wait. You don't know if you have tomorrow. Don't wait. You don't have to have it all figured out, man. Listen, that's, that's some of that stuff is religion as well. What I want you to do is I want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want, you, I want to teach you how to abide in Jesus. And when you do so, you'll start to know how it is that you've got to be living, what you need to let go of. Because when you're close to Jesus, you will be, the things that are, have been in darkness will begin to be exposed. And so if that's you here today and you're saying, or if that's you online and you're saying, man, I want to start a new life with Jesus Christ. And I, I ask you just to raise your hand right there where you're at, where, where every head bowed. Don't worry, no one's looking at you. If you're saying, today, I want to begin, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, just lift your hand right where you're at. If you're online and you're watching this and that's you, type that in. Type it in there. Hey, I want to accept Jesus, and I'll find that, and we'll get in contact with you. I see your hand. Amen. Right where you're at, if you're online or you raise your hand, I want you to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. Lord Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I acknowledge you as my Lord. Say these words. I believe that you were crucified on the cross for my sins. I believe that God rose you from the dead. And now my sins are as far as the east is from the west. There is a new me. The old is gone. Lord, use me to fulfill your purpose in my life. If you prayed that prayer, let me know online. If you pray that prayer here after the service, Come to me. Come find me right here in the front. I want to give you some resources. I want to help you. I want to go on ahead and, and, and help you in your next steps. But for the rest of us, right where we're at, Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity that you've given us. Lord, I pray right now, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that we would be open with you, that we would be transparent with you, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to use us in all things, God. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort those that need to be comforted, encourage those that need to be encouraged. Lord, I pray right now that you would give hope to the hopeless, Father, that you would free those that feel like they are in prison. Lord Jesus, I pray right now as we get ready to dismiss, my God, Lord, that you would remind us that you have called us to be the light of this world, that you've called us to be the salt of this earth, that you did not call us to blend in, but you've called us to stand out, God. And so I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of that no matter what it is that we do or where it is that we go, God. And I pray as we get ready to dismiss that you would watch over your people, that you would allow them to get to their destination safely, God. And church, I leave you now with this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you the peace that supersedes all understanding. In Jesus' holy, mighty name, the church of Jesus Christ says amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. You are dismissed. Don't forget that this upcoming Saturday at 630 is our potluck. Maggie DeLong's in the back. Let her know. Give her your information and just come out and hang out. Have a great week.